0: The reading
1: is from St. Paul's letter to the Colossians. Let us be attentive.
0: Brethren, when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, fornication, impurity, passion, Evil desire and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. In have put off the old nature with its practices, and have put on the new nature, which is being re- Attentive. Glory to you, o Lord, glory
1: to you. At that time as Jesus entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then said Jesus, were not ten cleansed? Where are the other nine was no one found to return and give praise to God, except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well.
2: Peace be to you who reads the good tidings. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Some of you may recall that when we get to the story of the ten lepers, it means two things. It means that Pascha is early this year. And it also means that we're drawing close. Guess what next Sunday is? The Sunday of Zacchaeus. But you may say, Father, we just celebrated the nativity and the circumcision and theophany. How can it be here already? Well, you might say the same thing about the tremendous snowfall we've had or all of the sunny days that we've had. Don't ever think that things will be the same from year to year. There's always a God that is unique and that surprises us. And we should be very thankful for that. As a matter of fact, the whole theme of this gospel passage is thanksgiving. Every year we remind ourselves when we hear this gospel of just how horrible leprosy is. We don't see lepers in our everyday life. You young ones may not even really know what it is, but it is one of the most horrible diseases that a human being could ever contract. It does eventually kill you, but it first separates you from everyone that you love, from all the life that you used to know, because it's so contagious. Think about this stomach virus that's gone through our community and you realize that's contagious. Well, leprosy is equal if not more contagious. And your whole body falls apart, literally falls off and it becomes open and it is gross to everybody around you and it's gross to you. And you have to live in a separate community of only lepers. So you can imagine how desperate these ten were, clustered together. And that they had heard of the power and the authority and the wonder-working ability of Jesus. They probably didn't know much more about him, but they knew that. And so from a distance they see him coming. And in their desperation, they cry out. Instead of unclean, unclean, which was what they were supposed to cry out and say, so everybody could avoid them, they cry out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. In the vernacular, translated, we are so desperate, can you help us? And they don't stop crying that until he turns to them, And from a distance, he says, go and show yourself to the priest. And as soon as they turn away from him and begin to go and to show themselves to the priest, they are instantly made well. Can you imagine? All your parts decaying, open wounds, pus coming from them, a smell, and in a moment, an instant, you are beyond the ability to comprehend, made completely well all your fingers are back on, all your toes are back on, your nose is back on, your ears, all those wounds are healed. You are a whole person instantaneously. What an amazing thing. Who had heard of the ability from just a word, from a distance, to cleanse leprosy and to restore people to wholeness? Well, only one comes back, and he's a Samaritan. And he falls at Jesus' feet, and he begins to thank him profusely, and he does not want to leave his side. And Jesus turns to the one, and he said, Weren't there ten? Where are the other nine? He didn't do it for himself. He did it for those ten. But you can imagine how it saddens him that those other nine for their own sake did not return to thank Jesus. God is always sad for our sake when we do not thank Him. Because something more amazing than the healing of leprosy takes place in our interior being when we thank God. Something beautiful happens even when we thank one another. But something transformative happens when we thank God. Now I want to come back to that in a second. But I just want to not let a couple things pass that I'm thankful for all of our benefit. Today we commemorate St. Paul of Thebes and St. John the Hut Dweller. And God gives us these amazing people in our family history that we can look back on and we can go, Wow! Think about that. How can I apply that to my life? I'm looking for inspiration. Are you not looking for inspiration in your life? I'm looking for examples. I want a hero, now and then, to say, Wow! That is amazing! Well, look at St. Paul. Middle of the third century. The church is being persecuted by Rome. Literally, hundreds and thousands of people are being martyred. God calls him at the age of 23, seemingly out of the blue, to leave his city and to go in the most deserted part of the wilderness, the desert of Egypt, the Thebaid. And there he spends 91 years in extreme, strict, prayer and fasting and vigils, in communion with God. Who knows how he ate? Who knows where he got his water from? We don't know the details of his life. But when he was 114, 114 I'll bet none of us live to be 114 no matter how many vitamins we take, no matter how many spas we visit, no matter how much money we spend on doctors, no matter how many vacations or how many books we read on how to be balanced and eat the right things, we're not going to live probably to be 114. That is way over today's average age span. Think about 2,000 years ago. How did he do it? I have no idea. By the grace of God. But when it came time for him to die, he was alone. Nobody was around him. But God spoke to St. Anthony's heart and said, This great ascetic is going to fall asleep and I want you to go and bury him. And that's how we know about St. Paul of Thebes. And St. John the hut dweller. This is an even more amazing story. This guy was 12 years old. He was the son of two extremely important people in the Byzantine Empire. High-ranking official, married to a very classy woman, lots of money and lots of power and influence. Good people, too. It wasn't as if John was raised poorly. But something spoke to his heart when he was 12 years old and he secretly wandered away from his parents. He didn't wander away, he ran away from his parents. And he went to go be a monk. After six years, he felt called by God to go be near his parents, but not to abandon his monastic mantle. You know what a fool for Christ is? It's someone who in the world appears very foolish, but is in reality filled with the Holy Spirit and has great prophetic and spiritual gifts. And their foolishness to the world actually is a way to get a message to those people to bring them closer to God. But it doesn't make sense seems like foolishness. Well, John was like a fool for Christ. He disguised himself as a poor beggar, and of course after six years of the monastic life he had changed greatly from 12 to 18. Even if you weren't a monastic from 12 to 18 you would change a lot, especially if you let your beard grow and your hair grow. Well, he appeared on the grounds of his parents' estate as a beggar. He was abused by his parents' servants. His dad, being a merciful man, allowed him, not knowing that it was his son, to have a little hut on the extreme boundary of the estate. But it didn't mean that the servants stopped abusing him. All the rest of his life, he lived like a beggar on his own parents' property, praying for his parents and his servants and the entire estate until his last breath. And just before he died, he let his parents know who he was for the precise reason that they might see the incredible fruit of his life which became clearly and abundantly manifest after his death with the miracles that were done through his relics and by his prayers. And they could learn something from it that would bring them closer to God. The servants as well... His life was so incredibly effective and fruit-bearing after his death that many, many, many people became closer to God because of what God had called him to do. Two of those great saints in one day. Can you believe that? Well, guess what the week holds. Tomorrow night, by anticipation, we will celebrate the memory of St. Anthony the Great. He's not called great for nothing. And then on Wednesday morning, with ASA, we will celebrate two of the greatest fathers of the church, two of the greatest theologians of the church, St. Athanasios the Great and St. Cyril of Alexandria. And even though we won't do a liturgy on Thursday, is St. Makarios the Great of Egypt. And you'll want to read about his life. And there are other saints on that day that will blow your mind you cannot find anybody like these people around you today and you are constantly looking especially you guys you're constantly looking for heroes whether they be actors or actresses or athletes whether they be musicians or outdoorsmen whether they be great successful businessmen or women or politicians, whether they stand up for civil rights like we will celebrate Martin Luther King tomorrow, we are all looking for someone to imitate, to emulate, to be inspired by. But you will find nobody better than the two today and the ones that are coming up this week. And all of this is given to us as a great gift by our God who loves us for our healing, for our transformation. And now I want to come back to the leper who was a Samaritan who fell at his feet. Do you know that Jesus Christ healed him completely? And yet, when he looks at that man and he lifts him up and he says, Rise, your faith has made you well, he does not say anything about himself. He says, your faith has made you well. I'm giving you the credit. You bring one little miniature kernel of grain and God brings a truckload of grain to this event. And he calls out and draws attention and notices your little kernel of grain. And he is so selfless. Everything he does is not about him, but about us and our salvation and our wholeness. Your faith has made you well. Well, wait a minute. What do you mean? I was just cured of leprosy. Are you talking about something else? Is there something more important to you than my leprosy? And Jesus would say, yes, There is something worse than leprosy. And that is spiritual apathy. Self-reliance. Thinking that you can do it on your own. Thinking that you can be God and great and live forever without the source of life and love and goodness. Isn't this the understanding of the very first sin? Isn't this why our society today is deteriorating? There is something worse than leprosy. And this is why he restores this man to physical wholeness. And it's his thanksgiving that transforms his soul into one that is in communion with God, that receives forgiveness of sins and healing of all the effects of the fall. If we could see... Our souls, apart from God, it would look like the leprosy that we see on the outside of human beings who are afflicted with that disease. And it is only our communion and union with God through the life of the church, through our faith, through our participation in the sacraments, through our obedience to His commandments, through accepting His love, unworthy as we are, that brings about a healing of that soul that is greater than the healing of those ten lepers. Thanksgiving, my dear brothers and sisters, brings us into communion with God. It is the antidote to self-reliance and pride and thinking we can do it all by ourselves. It softens your heart. It reveals to you your true personhood. It is unceasing prayer. When you intentionally look around you and you intentionally remember why you should be thankful for the amazing winter wonderland that we've experienced in the last week, for all of the time that we probably were gifted with our family that we wouldn't have otherwise had, and on and on and on. It's not a hard thing to challenge yourself to every minute of the day to be thankful to God and then to also be thankful to one another. This will bring you into communion with Him which will heal you and it will bring you into communion with one another which is what every human being yearns for. So, bring your faith, bring your love, And bring your gratitude to God. And you will be cured of something greater than heresy. Take advantage of all of the gifts that God gives you. Ecclesiastically, familially, and in every other way. And give Him thanks. And you will experience something that is extremely transfigurative. Amen.